All right, quick, quick, say a joke for the before the podcast thing. Um, have, hey, uh, have you ever you ever been so double booked that you end up uh, getting uh, getting a, a returned to the library? Okay. You ever you uh, you want to hear the sound of me? You want to hear the sound of my schedule right now and how I'm how I'm dealing with it? <laughs> Welcome to the Crunch. It is your boy Ethan, and I'm Patrick. And oh boy, have we got a show for you! Boom, 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 boom. Bum, I was bum, wondering. Bum, I was bum. wondering why other podcasters, when they say stuff like "our podcast isn't planned at all," that's like an appeal. That's like a selling point for people. For us, but it's for just us, a, it just isn't. It's a reality of our lives. We don't. Oh. We don't get paid enough to plan for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so i I have a quick update from last week. Is it Eliezer? <laughs> No, it's not. It's not Eleazar. Okay, I'm gonna that, ask that, that every time. That man certainly does not listen to this podcast. Not anymore. anymore. Um, the uh, the girl in Akron who needed friends. I got ah. an email in the su- with the subject line entitled "I need Catholic friends too." Hi, I'm the most re- on the most recent episode. Someone in Akron writing in need of Catholic friends. I'm 23. I'm a 23 year old lady living in Akron with zero Catholic friends that take their faith seriously. I need friendship. So if you were the one that emailed me about needing Catholic friends in Akron, uh. I will I will send this person an email asking if I can give you their email and then y'all can be, be friends. Will, Look at this. You guys can be friends. What's what's the point Hopefully of Hopefully you guys like each other. That'd be awkward. What's the point of paying for a service when you could listen to this free podcast? Yeah. You know, <laughs> or you could pay for this podcast. <laughs> you could but patreon.com slash the crunch. That's great. I love that. I who would have thought we had such a wide listener base in Akron, Ohio? I know. I know. Who and also know. decided to name it Akron? I don't know. It That's sounds like question. acrid, which is, do you really want that? Uh, what does acrid mean? It's it's like uh, like uh, like you smell like you remember how donkey was when they were going up to the volcano, and he smelled that and he was like Shrek, ooh, and he, and Shrek was like it's brimstone, like that's. Yeah. That's a, it was an acrid smell that Donkey was probably smelling, like the uh, smell of. Um, okay. I don't know. I don't really know how to describe it without like telling you specific things that smell that way. But anyway, do uh, you want to hear about my week? My first week on campus, baby. I do. Oh man, being a team director is hard. Nobody said it would be, and <laughs> now here I am. No, we've actually had a really great week. First of all, props to my team. It really helps when you have a great team. Let me tell you what. Three first years, they've just been crushing it. Like today, uh, what what I'm learning is is I'm with uh, my teammate Sam, who I love, and he uh, was a he was raised atheist, and then converted to being a Baptist when he was 16 in high school, and then converted to Catholicism last year. So he's kind of been through it all, and he used to do when he was in college. He used to do what we call barehanding. And like trying to meet people, he called evangelism, which I think is a very funny Protestant <laughs> word for that. Um, like they, he doesn't—they don't call it evangelization; they just call it evangelism, which is I, perfect. It's weird, but anyway, he's really good at uh, just completely overcoming any social norms that might exist at all. Like today, we were walking behind these two guys, and we were like, "I wonder what that guy's backpack means," because it was a—it was Odd Future. It was a which is a rap group. And ah. it was OF, but it just looked like it said of all over the the backpack. So I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And they were in this deep conversation. It's like, oh, man, tough. Sam just runs up to him and goes, hey, guys, sorry to interrupt. What does your backpack mean? And then we had this long conversation with them about uh, about where they were headed and what they were doing. And they were just not interested at all. But it's things <laughs> like that that lead to, like, great conversations. You know, if if you find somebody that is open, it's like being not being afraid to overcome those those social things that exist but like don't really matter at the end of the day like yeah yeah it might be a little weird and they might perceive it as rude but also you're you have the gospel so you can't really be wrong unless you're like actively a chotch you know (laughs) like wanting to wanting to talk to somebody and like interrupting them is not a crime and I feel like a lot of times we treat it that way and some people are like well if I'm getting harassed I can put headphones in and I don't want to retread that argument but (laughs) In general, I just thought that was so interesting. What were you gonna say? Um, I had I had a similar experience. Well, I, I think going 
so I started school again. Oh. I'm back at grad school, baby. We, uh, the, the professor opened our first, it was a night class. It was supposed to be like three hours, but he started the night class by saying, as Henry VIII said to his wives, I won't keep you long. Um, okay. Which was very good. And That's he was great. like, he was like, my freshman, my theology 101 classes never laugh at that. And I was like, yeah, stop saying it to them. They're not going to understand. Not, they don't get it. They don't, they don't know. It's about like history. some chuckle because they know there's supposed to be a joke. And other people are like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so. Uh, he left. He let us go like after 45 minutes of class, which oh, is wow. just, I was upset. I was like, he came here to learn, man. <laughs> I paid for a three-hour class. <laughs> I'm not that guy. I don't care about, quote, unquote, getting my money's worth. If mm-hmm. he can teach me in 11 classes instead of 12, I'm fine. Yeah. But um, anyway, so I left and I, I was walking around campus. It was kind of cool. I got my, it turns out I, I thought I read, I thought I read all of the readings I needed this semester. It turns out I was missing three books, so Ooh. I have more books to read. Hooray. All yeah, right. Um, I tried to get way ahead of my readings anyway. So I went to the library to get books anyway. And then I went up to the patio and there was this kid mm. who was just doing like, he was like flipping over banisters and, and, and doing parkour. Oh, wow. And I walked up to him and I was like, I just, I was probably what happened to your, to your team member. I was like, I was like, Hey, uh, I, I have a question. <laughs> yeah. I've never seen like, how does, how does somebody start? Parkour? Cause, cause if you like, mess I've never up. Seen, you yeah. you die. <laughs> I know. It's like it's not like it's not like, you know, uh handwriting. Mm-hmm. You can't just like try it a bunch of times and fail. It's like I've never I was like, how did I've never seen like a beginner. And he's like, Oh yeah, I'm totally a beginner. And I was like, Okay, 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 okay. But still, you just flipped down two flights of stairs. Yeah. That's not beginning in any sense of the word. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Oh, I just tried on my trampoline. And I was like, Oh that so if you so want you to have know how to start doing parkour and banisters on your trampoline. You need banisters. But apparently you grow the muscles by, by te- you teach them how to flip mm-hmm. by flipping on a trampoline. Okay. And then he also like did outdoor gymnastics for a while, which is cool. And anyway, we just struck up a conversation. We started talking about like, you know, where he was from and like how he got to Franciscan. But uh, anyway, you can just do that. At you, can. You, you, you can. Just you, can also, you can also do that anywhere. Yeah. And the, the thing is, is what, here's what I've learned the most. So let me. Let I mean me, that the people won't freak out. They won't be like, how dare yeah, you talk to me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At Franciscan is a different place. Catholic schools in general, somewhat different as far as the culture. Let me tell you this. Here was our schedule for the week. We started at 7 a.m. with a rosary uh, for the campus. We did have 9 p.m. mass, which made the 7 a.m. rosary quite difficult to uh, to get to. Uh, but we did, then we did a holy hour, 7.30, 8.30, and then we'd go out on campus. We'd be out on campus from 8.30 to 11.30 meeting people. Lunch break from like 11.30 to 1, 12.30 somewhat. And we'd be out from 1.30 until 4, 4.30 again. And then in the evenings, you'd, you'd hang out, chill, do whatever you need to do, record a podcast, go to mass at 9 p.m., all those kinds of things, eat dinner, meet up with the students that you've met throughout the week. So it's a very full schedule, very busy. But we'd spent at least six hours a day out on campus pounding that pavement, you know, door to door trying to meet folks. <laughs> and it was, uh, it was incredible. It was, it was probably the best week ever because there were no, there's no events. Like normally my first week as a missionary is just full of events. Like we're having a volleyball thing and we're having a, yeah. this thing, we're having that thing. Those things are great, but we literally can't have them. And so that means that we have to go to the people which is is not shocking, but uh, when you've been in a, a role, I'm sure like if your job went from event planning to just going to high schools and meeting teens, it would like change, you know, like even though it's the same job, it would be different. You'd be kind of a shock to you, you know, um, like if you weren't allowed to have life teen anymore, which you're not, uh, which is tragic. <laughs> um, but what was I saying? I totally forgot. But there were no other. Uh, it it appeared that there were really no other Christian ministries out on campus trying to meet people. And so we had a lot of people like that we encountered be like, Oh, we're at the Catholic center, blah, 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 blah. And they'd be like, Oh, I was, I wanted to get involved in the Baptist center. I wanted to get involved in this, that, but I haven't met anybody from there yet, which is not to say that we are just the best missionaries of all time. And we were totally but, but you are. carrying the whole campus, but yeah, step it up. It's, it was this whole vibe of, People are scared of other people right now, 
we were not afraid to strike up conversation based off of literally like what your backpack looked like, you know, cause that's what you have to do. You have, we have no idea what's going on in people's heads. We were able to pray with people. We were able to meet international students that we otherwise would have never met or encounter. We met people that we carried around a picture of Pope Francis on Tuesday. It's a giant <laughs> cardboard cutout of Pope Francis. That's great. And we had a, a little whiteboard that said, what would you tell the Pope if he were here right now? Nobody said anything saucy. The the weirdest thing that we heard was this girl was like, why isn't his hair better? And it's like, he's 80 years old. What do you want? You want him to get, what do you want from him? get Bosley? That's like someone who wanted to say something edgy but couldn't. Yeah. They just couldn't think of anything. Yeah, but so we met this girl. We met quite a few people, but this one sticks out. She like locked eyes on Pope Francis and she's actually like super plugged into Catholic Twitter, which I learned recently. Um, but she's like coming from a reformed theology background, like was Presbyterian. Uh, thought that Catholics were heretics and all damned and going to hell. And she locked eyes on Pope Francis. And I was like, do you have anything to say to the Pope? And she was like, well, I would ask him if I could go to mass. And we were like, huh? We were like, yeah. And she like gave us her background. She's been like thinking about coming to the church, but like wasn't planning on being on campus that day and wasn't planning on being where she was and then saw us. And she was like, I don't know what God is doing right now, but I need to come. Interesting. And she came to mass on Wednesday night and it was amazing. It was incredible. Uh, wow. And who knows where that's going to go, right? Obviously, it's in the Holy Spirit's hands. But if he has hands, it's us. <laughs> it's in the Holy Spirit's talons. It's in the Holy Spirit's fire. Um, Beak. But Droplets. So there, I could tell like thousands Wind. of stories from this week. But I just want, I just want, the thing that I want people to know the most is like, you can go and talk to anybody and it's not like a, against the law, even during coronavirus. <laughs> like, yeah. We get so scared because we think that they're going to reject us. And a lot of people probably will, but that's okay. You know, like mm-hmm. we got, we got rejected so many times that people literally AirPods in, they see us and they, they get there. They, I had a girl who she saw that we had kind of like a, we had a station that we were, we were handing out popsicles and trying to talk to people. And I saw her coming from a ways and she changed course and she, <laughs> she got her phone out and held it up to her ear. And I was like, first of all, you're not calling anybody. Like I, I know that you're, you're 18 years old. No way you're using your phone for its intended purpose. And then she's also looking at down at her Apple watch at the same time. And she tries to like be as busy as possible and walks by us. And then as soon as she gets around us, she puts the phone away. And it was like that. You didn't even beautiful. That was like, it was smooth, I guess, but you could have just said, no, thank you. When you walked by, how, 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 how poignant, how, how metaphorically apropos it, it's, the way that we appear busy in our own lives to avoid an encounter with God. Mm. We do this ourselves. We do. We try to appear as busy as possible so that we do not. It's funny. I was talking to Phoebe about this, about the culture of busyness. And she was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like people, I hate being busy. I'm like, Mm. yes, yes, yes. Maybe you hate being busy, but I do. I do think most people love being busy. Oh yeah. And they love, it feels so good. They love talking about it. I realized I realized that you, you, if you don't talk about how busy you are, people don't think you do anything. <laughs> if you do, if, if if you don't tell people how busy you are, people think you don't do anything. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna not comment. That sounds good. Okay, and, <laughs> but it's true. Or on on the flip side, we believe that unless we tell people how busy we are. We're not doing anything. that. We're that we ourselves are not busy enough, you know. Yes. Because we hear other people sharing, and it's like, well, I got to do this, that, and the other thing. Do you want to hear? Speaking of being busy, I started learning how to play the piano. Interesting. I did. I when I say started learning, is I looked at one YouTube video and I tried to learn a song by Debussy, which is called Claire de Lune, which is in Ocean's Eleven, and <laughs> it's the most stereotypical piano song that anybody yeah. could learn. But when I put those first few notes together. Oh, chef's kiss. I felt like a genius. Yo, I felt like gotta the smartest try, you gotta guy. You got to try Moonlight Sonata What's, by what, Mozart. Is that one? What is that one? How does it go? I can't do it justice. I don't even know what It's that. beautiful. This sounds like an Adele song. It's like... Yeah, that one. It's much sadder than I made it sound. Oh, no. It's very like it's it's about a it's a sonata about the moonlight. Okay, it needs to be dark and dreary. I can't do sad songs, Patrick. I was born to be an entertainer. 
My dad's ringtone for me on his phone used to be the entertainer. Yeah. Um. So I just wanted to to share my experiences because in a lot of ways, I don't like COVID nineteen. I do not like COVID nineteen. I'm going to go on the record right now and say I am not a fan of the coronavirus. And I know this will set me out against my peers, but I think I'm ready to take a stand. I do not like COVID nineteen. I do not like its quarantine. I do not like its many memes. I do not like COVID nineteen. Do you think I do not I... like it okay. here or there? I do not like it any. That one's from the actual book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm not going to say what I was going to say. Um, okay, <laughs> it was going to be a bad joke about uh, the NBA canceling their games. Um, oh, did they do that? Yeah, they canceled their games for Wednesday and Thursday. And then they're going to go back and play on Saturday, which is like everyone's talking about how monumental of an occasion this is in sports. But I'm like, is anyone really bothered or surprised by this? Like, I don't even know what's going on. So there was a there was a shooting in uh, Wisconsin. Oh, oh, yeah, I know that of an unarmed black man by a police officer. Yes. He's paralyzed from the waist down. And the Milwaukee Bucks decided to not play. Because they mm-hmm. were they're in Wisconsin, and so they said, "Hey, we're not gonna, we're not gonna play." And then the other games that were happening that day also decided to to boycott, and then the games on the following day decided to boycott. But they're all going to start playing again on Saturday. So it was like, I I think it was a good idea. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you want to show solidarity and support in the way that you can. But if you just start playing again. How, what does that teach anybody? Well, what are they? Know? What are they supposed to? What are they supposed to? Do? Like, what? What? What would them not playing a comp? I don't. I. I mean, I think. I think not playing out of respect makes sense. But yeah. then, like, you can't not play forever. I mean, it's right. not like a, the Montgomery bus boycott where the NBA actively supported the shooting of an unarmed black man. You know. Yes. Right. This is just my third person yeah. perspective from not paying attention yeah. to the news. It's it's interesting because it's like it's a boycott of playing basketball, which the basketball didn't do anything to the unarmed black men. And so I think yeah. it's, I think it's fine as a symbol. And maybe this is, this is me not like knowing enough, but if you just start playing again, what was the point? <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's like, we care about this enough to, to delay our lives for a couple days. And also when we're going to need, we're going to keep kneeling at the beginning of the thing. Maybe it's like we're gonna not play basketball until the cop that shot him gets arrested. Sure, or... yeah. Like if there's some sort of tangible connection, everyone's maybe like, that was the plan, and the NBA was like, "Look, look, it's, you can't do that. You know how long that's gonna take." Yeah, it's we're still waiting. Are we still waiting on the people who killed Breonna Taylor? Yeah, it's yeah. like well, you can't. Hmm. I had a point, but I lost it. I think I'm suffering from heat stroke. I was out in the sun all afternoon, mm-hmm. and I'm um, I'm losing my mind a little bit. But I think that the one thing that would be helpful, right? So you know how much money they all make. Yeah, yeah. Where's that going? <laughs> that that would be helpful. Yeah. This is the thing that I don't understand. It's like players will make these these grants, and I'm a fan of the NBA. Don't get me wrong. I like watching basketball. I love basketball. I think it's a great sport. Um, but they, they make these kind of token donations of $500,000. And everyone's like, wow, like they donated $500,000. For some of those superstar players, that's that's what they make in less than a month, you know? Yeah. And I... And Le- I'd be interested to know what their monthly expenses are. Speaking, of, Yeah, right. Like <laughs> speaking of LeBron, right? He opened a school in Akron, you know, trying to give better education and trying to work towards... But his his net worth is well over a billion dollars. Yeah, there's no way that you make that much money salary yeah. and then don't have like real estate holdings and yeah. investments and like, yeah. And so it's like, I, I understand your net worth is over a billion dollars and you've opened one school and all of a sudden you're like a champion for for education. <laughs> like I... The United States, is worth, its net worth is negative trillions of dollars and we have a ton of schools, LeBron. Yeah. Um, that's kind of a joke. <laughs> that, is, that is a funny <laughs> joke. But like, what is that actually doing? It helps those kids. Great. Yeah. 
I, yeah, it's, it's at the end of the day, it's like, well, I'm really happy. Like you, you make this money and you can do whatever you want with it. But what's really going to make a difference is not you delaying the playoff games that you're going to keep playing anyway for two days. It's like when, when I start seeing players donating, you know, all of their salaries, not all of, but like if you're making uh, 8 million a year, you can donate $7 million of your salary to something. Right, you can give that yeah. to communities that are in need somehow. I, I don't know. Again, I don't know the logistics of that, but like, it's it just seems it just seems empty. I don't know why we're talking about this, but uh, I, I I did I was I, I've considered this a lot because I, like I follow Dave Ramsey and he's like I keep I'm followed by by follow I mean keep up with you know and he taught he often <laughs> I, I stalk about, Dave Ramsey I stalk Dave Ramsey. <laughs> Um, I was trying to avoid like the discipleship implications of follow Dave Ramsey. And, uh, and, uh, he, he often talks about this, this friend of his, whose net worth is a couple billion dollars and it's Mark Cuban. He's friends with Mark Cuban and he's talking about Mark Cuban. He Uh, just doesn't name drop Mark Cuban. And, um, he talks about how, uh, he bought Mark Cuban bought a plane that was worth $300 million. Mm -hmm. And he was like, Mark Cuban buying a plane is like you going to McDonald's and buying a biscuit. Like that's the same amount of his, a slice of his pie. Right. And I'm like, that's a good point. That's a good point. Dave Ramsey, that, that Mark Cuban buying a small plane is akin to me going and buying a biscuit, a $300 million plane. If me, yeah. If me going and buying a biscuit, could feed hundreds of families (laughs) for a year, I would buy so many biscuits. I would buy so many biscuits. But do I know that? Do I know that? I don't know. Now, again, obviously he may have had good reason for his for buying his plane. If you are if you are Mark Cuban, you can't exactly fly commercial all the time. You know, uh, sometimes you got to be places. Mm-hmm. I get that, but I think it'd be. I don't know. There's there's so many. I'm. I think I just watched Inception and IMAX for its ten year anniversary, and I'm thinking of Mr. Saito, and they're talking about how they need to rent out the whole first class of the airline and then he turns around with this just chotch look on his face and he goes i bought the whole airline it was cleaner and it was like huh. it was like all right that's funny it was funny <laughs> it's like um, why don't you just buy an airline mark cuban geez mark cuban Come on. Uh, but the thing that I, that I i was talking to my spiritual director about this and he talked about how for young people i was like i was like i really need to work on like tithing like i really need to like make sure that well, at the time i was like i'm really struggling with money and i need to like up my my giving he's like yeah definitely do that but also, like, don't just write the check. That's a very easy thing to do. And he's like, I feel like young people need to, like, we need to tithe, but also we're more stingy with our time because we have a lot of time. Mm. We're stingy with, I don't know. So, anyway, so I, I was thinking. In the off season, instead of NBA players going and, like, handing out t shirts for their required events, they actually need to go into neighborhoods that need help and talk to yes. people. Yeah, I think that's I great. think, but that's that's also true for every human being. In, yes, yes, and I think yeah. I think that the point is like we can't. It's 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 easy to say why don't these people give more, but like the thing is is like at us there's a there's certain diminishing returns when it comes to like I I think honestly any amount of money that they give they're not gonna feel it and so they're just it's the the saving aspect of of almsgiving like the the redemptive factor of almsgiving is just very hard for them to hit it's just almost impossible for rich people to hit which i think is what christ was talking about which is also but it's also not an excuse to like not help people if you can help people you know yes that is true the like the money and it's not all about the money i agree it's not all about donating money but if you have five million dollars like I, I know there's a Catholic charity is 10 minutes from my house that could use $5 million, you know, for very good things. And it's it, it, just because somebody rich donates that and they don't feel that pain. Does that mean that that money therefore doesn't work? Like it's not, it's not no. going to be any <laughs> <No>. good <laughs> that those people aren't actually fed. No, like there's still spiritual yeah. realities connected to that gift, but mm-hmm. you're right. Like there is the, the, it takes more because alms is not just about the gift itself it's about the sacrifice yeah and, and i'm trying i'm trying to see the moral act of alms giving from the perspective of the person giving as opposed to the third party observing sure although we can all agree no one needs a billion dollars there's no reason to have a billion dollars well it creates jobs for the people. that's a thousand million dollars creates jo- billionaires create jobs 
yeah, so do so do millionaires. Okay, what? like people who just are local and they like have a small business. They create jobs. You know who ends jobs? Walmart. Yeah. Where's <laughs> hey hey Ethan? Where's your local hardware store? Uh, yeah, a billionaire owns it oh, now. Oh no, <laughs> not again. <laughs> you know how you can just you know how you just, you can just go down to the local hardware store and get a summer job sweeping up. Flo- no, sorry, you need to go work for a company that's going to pay you pennies, and uh, not ca- and if you're late, you're fired. That's what. Yeah, you gotta go. You gotta go drive packages for Amazon. Sorry, the turtle needs more money. Yertle the turtle <laughs> needs more money. Isn't Jeff old Jeffy? Just for Jeff. He needs to be the king of all the DC. Jeff- this podcast is not for Jeff. Just, Jeff, for Jeff just for Jeff Bezos is now worth over $200 billion, which... No, you're kidding. I'm not kidding. Oh, gosh. And Apple's market cap just went over $2 trillion. So... I did know that. We got a money problem on our hands. Looks like we got a, a mystery. Problem. Scoob, let's go Let's go figure this out. I think I think we should I think we should honor what we talked about last week and uh, I I think I think we can hop in the hot take time we hot like we can go for a quick dip in the hot take time machine I have one hot take that'll take us into our topic oh thank goodness yeah welcome to the hot take time machine okay <laughs> the hot take time machine is part of the show where we take a look back at the prime of our social media posting lives Patrick do you have a hot yes I do okay I d- thank you I don't want to be on this podcast anyway well I don't even d- like you're it here. here you are baby <laughs> so. This hot date comes from comes to us all the way from March of 2015. And in March of 2015, I said, I have an announcement. Science has liberated my mind. Okay. Liberated it into knowing that God is not only possible, but necessary. Okay, great. That's wonderful. <laughs> Thank you, high school Patrick. Um, this was the part that I, I, I kept trying to do this thing on Twitter where I would like joke about converting to a different religion. Uh-huh. For April Fool's Day, I became Mormon. I don't know if you remember this. One year I did April Fool's Day. I was I kept tweeting quotes from the Book of Mormon. I don't remember that at all. But it was a good I probably, gag. I think I probably, I, I probably have you. told you about it in the past. Yeah. I thought it was pretty good. Anyway, um, I found a Book of Mormon in a uh, in a hotel room and I took it because uh, now nobody else has to read it. Uh, so anyway, the reason why I, I I mentioned that hot take is because I. Of the of the idea that that science can liberate your mind away from religion and Ethan, where has that idea come from? Right? We have, there's this idea of, there's this idea that science can liberate your mind from religion. It's a very it's a very uh, ingrained idea. We believe that science is inherently opposed to religion, and uh, I think it's important to understand where ideas come from. Which brings us to our topic, which is the importance of knowing history. Oh, yeah. Thank goodness, I was really struggling. Yeah. I I didn't know what the topic was going to be. I totally forgot what we said about last week, and I didn't do any research because I spent all of my time this week out on campus meeting people. So perfect. Let's do what we always do and talk about stuff we don't know about. Patrick, so take it away. Do the crunch on that jingle, please. Um, also, do you want to hear my hot take real quick? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It says it's from August sixteenth, twenty sixteen. It says. This is what my life has come to, and it's a screenshot of a Google search box that says biblical names that rhyme with Harambe. <laughs> hey, thank you for listening to this episode of The Crunch. Sorry to interrupt what I'm sure is a stimulating intellectual conversation, but I wanted to pause the episode real quick to let you hear from some of our sponsors. We will be back right after this. Anyway. Let's talk about history. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Uh, that was just so funny. Um, okay. Uh, crunch is out for Harambe. All right. That's all I got. That's all um, right. That's fine. Yeah, cool. And okay. So I, I, I thought about it like a little bit. I just, I just talked to, I just crunched on it a little bit this week. But the thing that I keep coming back to is this idea of like the dark ages i i texted i texted you enlightenment more like enlightenment i did see that and i did chuckle okay i gave good. it a did good you, did you chuckle or did you sharply exhale through your nose? i sensibly chuckled okay good uh, um but it was more of an exhale i think i think we don't understand how many atrocities have come out of what we call and what we know as the Vatican II. Oh, oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm teasing. I, I love Vatican II. Carry on. I think it's important to know history because there are certain historical narratives 
that are prevalent in our minds that are not necessarily true. And one of them is the Dark Ages were just a bunch of half-naked slobs trying to figure out whether the Earth was flat or was it flatter. Are we talking about the Dark Ages or my college days? (laughs) But like the... But Thomas Aquinas lived in the quote-unquote Dark Ages, right? And so, and like, he was fully clothed. And he was fully clothed, and he was large. And he, he was, was smart. He looked at himself, and he said, the Earth's got to be as round as this piece of meat. <laughs> boom, boom. <laughs> um, well, pop, pop, hey, where's the stromboli? Eh? So that, that's, one of the, that's one of the historical narratives we believe. Another historical narrative that we falsely believe is that, re, that uh, most wars are caused by religion. Mm. And that if there wasn't religion, then there wouldn't be as many wars. Which I always, which I only recently, like, it's funny because a lot of these, these narratives, I was like, well, that's obviously not true, but I understand why people think of it. People always bring up the Crusades, right? But how long ago was the Crusades and how recently was the latest religious war? <laughs> the, le- the, the, the worst and most atrocious, if, if, if religion caused the Crusades, then what caused World War I? Like Pope um... John Paul II apologized for the Crusades. When is the Enlightenment going to apologize for World War One? Yeah, when is Hitler going to finally apologize for World War Two? For II? World War Two, Hitler is canceled. You heard it here first on this or, podcast. Has he, does he have any tweets? Did he ever say anything racist? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Here's my forty-minute expose on Hitler, and it's just entitled "By Fury." Oh man, that's funny. Oh my gosh. Um, I've been watching. I've been watching some YouTube commentary videos on YouTube drama. It's drama about drama. Oh man, that's pretty good. That was a good laugh. I needed that. That made me feel good. <laughs> Has he said anything? That was good. Anyway, so yeah. what are some other like? What are some other like historical? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, historical yeah. narratives that we buy into that aren't necessarily founded. I think anything. something that you you said about the Dark Ages was good, but I think that it can apply to more than just medieval times. I think any time people think about the past they think that the people were stupider and which is progressivism which is just wrong like everything that happens in the future is going to be better regardless of what direction it takes like are you telling me that the atomic bomb is better than fighting with bows and arrows like (laughs) yeah not we can't necessarily say that things that happen more recently in history are better than the things in the past um yeah, we call the Greeks barbarians for slicing each other up with swords, but we literally blew up a country. We, we atomized people. Like human beings were incinerated and we're like, yeah. wow, we're so we're so civilized. We're doing we're great. So I think and that's that's the hard thing too is like something that I always wrestle with is like who came up with like scissors? You know? Like <laughs> The stuff that we take for you know what yeah the stuff we take for granted is like okay people grew their hair out and they probably cut it at some point and for a long time they probably used a knife to just you know like get it but at some yeah. point somebody was like what if I had two knives and they were attached and <laughs> both in one hand and like I I know myself I wouldn't have thought of that you know yeah and there's there's just been really smart people all throughout history that have had to come oh, up so with Oh, so your these argument things. is there's no way that everybody before us was dumb because yes. none of us would have come up with scissors. <laughs> that is fundamentally it. Yeah, and I don't think that that's, that's the a, argument. I don't think it's invalid. I think that's a sound argument. Sound argument. Yeah. Um and so that then that leads into I mean this is a Catholic podcast people talking about how well the apostles and you know the early church and the people of Jesus's time like they just, they just, you know, Jesus was just a really powerful speaker. And so they just kind of fell under, you know, his, like, they were just so dumb, you know, yeah. and like the apostles, like they just believe, they would believe anything because of the culture at the time, like was religious. And so it's like, you're telling me that these guys were so stupid that they died for a guy who was lying, like, or, or a guy who, who didn't actually come back from the dead. And I think there's, it's, they don't say that, right. But they, yeah. but there's this undercurrent of like the people in the past, don't have the morality that we have now they don't have the science that we have now therefore they're stupid which is just objectively false because they they have as much brain power available to them as we do like we're not yeah and like and and there are people who existed that were smarter than you are now Mm -hmm. so like the app it's just i think i think the root of it is a desire of a a pride right of that like you can you can read anything from someone who is dead and say, well, I don't agree with that, but they were in the past. So they're probably wrong. 
because of that that that's what that that's what that historical fallacy leads us to but anyway i i was thinking about it i was mulling it over and i think the root of it is um the root problem is what's called a historical fallacy and it's when you analyze the past based on this culture of the present right so like you you can't you view history through the lens of now through like the 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 lens of of the current culture do you understand what i mean by that yes okay yes can you explain it uh of how people view history through the lens of the culture now yeah well yeah i mean I, I talked to a girl on campus this week who I asked her what she thought about the Pope, and she said, I love what he said about, about gay people. And I said, oh, that's interesting. Um, and she's like, yeah, he's really the first Pope to ever do that. And I was like, well, that's probably because the culture has been different in the past. Like the, talking about homosexuality yeah. was just not common before uh, the, the 20th century, and uh, for better or for worse. And then she said something that didn't make any sense about some king in England about the King James version of the Bible and about how there was, he had a, a a mister on the side, not a mistress, but a Uh mister on the side. And I was like, I don't, he had a mistress, a mistress. He had a mattress. (laughs) (laughs) I don't necessarily understand exactly where she was going, but like, because we view this, we view the past through this lens of like, Oh, well we talk about X topic all the time now. And people didn't talk about it in the past. That must mean that this person saying this thing is better or worse than the other people. And so it's just, it's really hard to, it's also why people like read their own tradition into the Bible. It's why people um, have certain perspectives and and views on things, even just like World War II and World War I, like the most recent things. Um, They say like, Mm -hmm. oh, it was because of, um, you know, the, the, the people, the Nazi party was too far right wing and we need more left wing people. Like they, they take the today's (laughs) political language and apply it. Um, you know, it's yeah. the, the Abraham Lincoln was a Republican and it's like, well, was he like how they are today? Yeah. You know, um, because that's, that's all we know. We have no ability to step outside of, uh, yeah. of our own experience. We don't have no ability to step outside of what we believe to be true because it's very, it's hard. It's very American, but also it's only American because America, Alexis de Tocqueville said that the enlightenment has lived most really in america like they i think the quote is something along the lines of like they've studied it the least but they live it the most i don't know exactly who he's referring to is either the enlightenment or a specific author i think it might have been hobbes Mm. but he was saying that they americans live the enlightenment more than they understand it and so it's really important for us to kind of take a step back and this doesn't just i know we kind of like dunked on the seculars a little bit but this isn't just them it's also the american catholic church in terms of what? Oh, so um, we read our own culture, our oh, own Catholic culture, yes. back onto the history. So the the way that we represent. So, like for instance, at Franciscan, there was a debate that was: um, is the is the uh, what? I forget exactly how they worded it, but it was something along the lines of like: are traditional gender roles better for the family? And my main question, what, but the, and they started debating whether like, like, oh, well, having two parents at home is better. And like, well, having, you know, like uh, uh, having in like the mother stay at home and the father is more equipped to go out and work and all this stuff. And they would talk about like, what's the classic thing for the, the nuclear family? The classic argument is the hunter gatherer paradigm, right? Like the women stayed in the caves and the men went out to hunt. And for some reason we apply that to like, mom staying home and like you know ordering from pizza hut and dad goes and sits at his job at the at you know microsoft and that's he's hunting and she's gathering you know um but we uh we we apply that and uh my my first question was what do you mean by traditional because um in like you know feudal europe everybody worked everybody was at home yeah you know there was no working for money you just worked the field and mom worked the field too you know everybody dad worked in in the home and kids worked in the field and the kids worked in the home and said wherever something needed to be done it was done it was done yeah and so we we kind of read we kind of read our own image of the nuclear family back onto history because it's what we deem as traditional therefore everyone before us must have done it too um, and that's a big problem with the quote unquote traditional Catholics mm. is they, they start their tradition at a different point, but they start their tradition at a recent point 
but then they 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 retroactively apply it to they don't they don't see the development right and so we both kind of do this um and we kind of need we need to we need to to acknowledge the water we're all swimming in mm. because we all think we all think the way we form ideologies and the way we form our opinions is like a vending machine you know or a salad bar you get to pick what you want and toss it in a bowl and shake it up and it's delicious yeah. but in reality it's like you're swimming in the salad bar you can't really you're you're in the dressing baby oh, you boy. know like you you can't separate yourself from the water you swim in and and we're not um we're not uh independent of the ideologies that we subscribe to uh we we were given them we were handed them and so in, we need to constantly examine them mm-hmm. and correct ourselves that's why modernism is so scary right it's the yeah what the clerically speaking they always talk about this is the denial of mediation right like there's no yes no way that anybody can give me anything that I can't figure out on my own. And I think there's two things, particularly, especially now, that really hinder our ability to look at history well. That's technology and globalization. And they, okay. they, they, they play into each other really well. So, like, technology, one, like, it's easy to live in a false reality. So it's a lot harder to evaluate yeah. even the current world, let alone the past world because you're living in a place that's not real. Like Snapchat's not real. Instagram's not real. Reddit's not real. YouTube's not real. Like these are, it's not a real place to live and people can get lost in these fandoms and in these, uh, discussion circles of sports and movies and media and all these things, right? They can get lost in them and be convinced that like, this is where real life is happening. It's just not true. Uh, and it also, so that's one thing, right, is it takes us away from reality. And two, it gives us like a false sense of progress. So like because technology is getting better at serving me, that must mean that humanity is also getting better. Um, like because we've grown so much since the Industrial Revolution, that must mean that humanity is finally, you know, come and figure out what true morality is. Yeah. Because I can con- I can control what temperature it is inside my house, therefore racial injustice must no longer exist. Right, uh, and maybe not that extreme, but the the idea is well, we're 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 living. It's the Jetsons, baby. We're here, and like there were no problems there. Um, so well, the reason I brought that up is because that's why when people say like, oh, I can't believe people believe these things in 2020 or in 2019, mm-hmm. it's like, well, yeah, of course like, they just do. because you have a because... supercomputer in your pocket doesn't mean that the human being next to you believes what's true and correct about human dignity, you know? Like yeah. Those two things are not, they're not congruent. The reason why people believe that is because the enlightenment idea is that the enlightenment project is built on. If we have as much empirical data as possible, people will become less ignorant. People will become greater. Right. And so we believe yeah. that, well, everyone knows people are people now, regardless of their skin color. So they all should stop being racist, but that's just not true. So that's just, that's just one example. But and then yeah, also so what do globalization was the other thing that I wanted to talk about. Oh yeah. yeah sorry. So. Just real quick. Cause I think technology plays into globalization of like the world has just gotten so much smaller after world war two. Um, and just the way that we can connect with people all around the globe. Cal Newport talks about this book in his book, uh, digital minimalism wow. about, wow. When, Love how the turntable. I know when the, when the telegram or the telegraph or the pony or whatever was established between Texas and Maine, the question was like, does Texas really need to know what's going on in Maine? Um, and like now, if you ask that question, like, do you really need to know what's going on around the country? People are like, of course I need to know. But then they, I need to be informed. But then they step over the homeless guy, you know, in front of them, <laughs> right? And yeah. it's like fat lot of good it's doing you to know exactly what's going on with in Wisconsin. But dozens of people are walking by my friend John every day, and not even giving him the time of day. But it's like, thank goodness you know what's going on in Wisconsin. Thank goodness. Yeah. Right. And. Then it's in, so that's point one. And then the other point on globalization is like, how can I believe that my worldview is correct when compared to the rest of the world? You know, there's this idea of, I can't be convinced that what I believe is true because there's so many other opinions and there's so many other cultures. And so like, how could, who am I to say that I'm right? Um, which is, I mean, uh, relativism, you know, so, mm-hmm. Uh, very dangerous when looking at history because then we can look back at history and we can't evaluate history objectively. We have to evaluate it subjectively, which is why another chance encounter this week is it took 30 minutes for these dudes that we met with 
uh, to say that the Holocaust was wrong. So, yeah, they were like, well, I mean, it's situational. Like, if they believe that they were doing the wrong thing, can I say it's objectively bad? And I was like, you want to argue yeah. that it was okay to kill the Jews? <laughs> I just want to be clear with your statement. They were like, no, that's not what I mean. I was like, yeah, maybe walk that back, brother. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is what we in the business call a reductio ad absurdum argument. Yeah. So, sorry, those are, that's just what was coming to my mind. Um, no, please that's, that's carry good. on with what you were saying. So, like, the... The um, the question then is how do you learn? How do you avoid falling? Because like so now we know the importance of it's important for us to learn history so we can avoid avoid historical fallacies and avoid historical narratives written by people that don't have Christ at heart or like reality in mind in their own personal agenda. So how can we how can we avoid those fallacies? Um. Because, like, the Enlightenment answer is, we'll just get super educated. But that thing, the problem is there's too much information out there. Yeah, back when there were, like, four books, that was really easy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> In the Enlightenment. <laughs> I think maybe a good way, if you, like, really, really want to understand the historical picture, I would suggest reading books that either not I, I wouldn't suggest go and read the great books yourselves right away just like go nuts on them but definitely find authors like dr benjamin weicker he is great um look up his books on uh the 10 books that screwed up the world and five others that didn't help it's a really good like discussion on he uses the actual text of the books and discusses what the historical effects were and like where we get certain ideas it's a great it's a great discussion of the enlightenment um if you want to learn more about uh, that, that's like, honestly, that's a good first step. That book is a really good first place. Say it one more time for the people, Pat. Uh, 10 books that screwed up the world mm. by Dr. Benjamin Weicker. It's uh, the solution I think is to, is to understand the tradition that you come from, right? It's not just like learn as much as you can. It's also learn what people believed before you and why it's the GK Chesterton line. That's like, if you're going to move a fence, make sure you know why it was there. Hmm. You know what I mean? It costs $69 on thrift books. Okay, that's definitely it's definitely cheaper on Audible. Ah, uh, okay. yes, indeed. 10 books that screwed Why'd you look it up on thrift books not Amazon? Because why would I You don't want to feed the turtle. Why would I feed the turtle when I could just buy it from a company that's trying to get people books at a reasonable price called thrift books? That's fair. Well, there's not. There's not. There's but yeah. There's there's uh, only two left in stock on Amazon. Oh, so tough. Yeah. Sorry about that's that. That's right. We'll be fine. Um, I think that's a good place to start. I what I wish is there was a more. I wish there was a definitive. There there is kind of a definitive. Uh, there, who who am I thinking of? Brandon Vaught put together a best Catholic books of all time, and he's got a section on history and culture that's got. Uh, it's mostly about Christian history, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple books by Hilaire Belloc, um, The Great Heresies, How the Reformation Happened, Survivals and New Arrivals, a series of books by Warren Carroll, uh, Christendom 1, 2, 3, and 4, um, and then a couple other people that I don't, the names I don't recognize, but talking about Christianity, European culture, um, the desire for God, those kinds of things. So it's like there, there's a there's lists out there that like have some history, but... A lot of the the lists that I'm seeing come out from Catholic people are all about just Christian history and church history and how the, which is which is good. I need to know about that, and you have to know about that. The the JP two biography has a ton of stuff about like Polish history that I'm just like learn. It's just it's mm-hmm. so in depth. It's amazing. I love learning about it. Well, but one of the good things about learning church history, especially medieval church history, is like it's also world history. It is at a certain oh. point church history and world yeah. History don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Like you yeah. read church history for sure. But also, there's got to be a way to to get. I want to be able to see it from all sides, you know, and yeah. and be able to to take my Christian worldview and apply it to what I'm being told, rather than just like only be pumped one worldview. Even if it is, yeah, I get what you're saying. Even if it I is like this person is an Orthodox Christian and they're writing about this particular thing, like. It, I feel like, and this can be dangerous, but like I feel like listening to somebody else who might not be an Orthodox Christian that's writing from a different worldview, like will help me understand the history better than just reading the same types of authors. 
I I I think I think that's I think that's a good point. What I would say is like what I've realized over the course of time is that there's a there's a sense that you know that old forming intentional disciples quote that's like don't trade a label for a story. Yeah. I think we should apply the same idea to philosophy and to worldviews. We sh- cuz like here's a good example, right? Um Pope Benedict XVI once said that democratic socialism is the best uh, representation of Catholic social teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, if you just take that at face value, you're like, well, Pope, Pope Benedict would have voted for Bernie, Bernie Sanders, Sanders right? is my new presidente. Yeah. And so like, that's the thing is, but if you don't, if you, there's a ton of, there's a ton of like definitions that are needed there. What's the definition of democratic socialism, democratic socialism? What does it mean by best? What, how is it the best? How does it fail? How do the others fail? What is Catholic social teaching? Um, etc. And so it's important to definitions aren't a paragraph or like a couple of lines. Definitions are lived out throughout time and different worldviews develop, change and move alongside history, including the Catholic church. And so that's why when, that's why when you say like, oh, someone's like a cafeteria Catholic, right? It's like, when we say that, we mean, oh, they don't fully believe the worldview, right? Um, because we see the worldview as a list of doctrines and beliefs that have always existed, but that we know that's not true. You know, like a lot of the doctrines of the church and have, have existed, but a lot of them have developed and been, you know, formulated and reinstated and like elaborated, you know, it's like, for instance, the, 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 um, immaculate conception used to be contested in the medieval ages because of their understanding of how original sin worked. And so that changed and developed until the formal declaration of the church. Mm-hmm. Now, do you have to believe it now? Yes. Yeah. In order to be Catholic, yes. But there are there are always things that are developing, and there are things now that we are debating that in the future will probably be declared dogma, and you know, you must believe this now because this is a doctrine that's developed. Other worldviews work the exact same way. So if you want to learn about a worldview, I would suggest reading the history of that worldview. So like, if you want to understand what communism really is, I would suggest reading communist authors on their history and that'll give you a good idea of where they're coming from. And then you can like apply it, like apply Catholic uh, moral teachings to that and be like, how does this square up? Always temper it. How does this fit into my world? Always temper it with the catechism, always temper it with scripture, always temper it with um, church documents that are coming out at the same time or about the same topics as those writers. If you're ever like concerned of like what is this right is this wrong like usually there's a pope that comes around a little after that guy is writing that thing and says something you know like yeah, you, you can try usually not always um but <laughs> some most a lot of the times you can find like the catholic response to x y or z you might have to dig mm-hmm. it might take some work but it's worth it if this is something that is interesting to you obviously a lot of you are listening to this you're like i don't care at all about history that's fine but do we want to engage this culture? Do we want people to know Jesus Christ? Do we want to be able to have a conversation with people that have drastically different worldviews than us? The answer is yes to those questions. And I assume it is because you're listening to this podcast and you're a great Catholic and you're a great Christian. I love you. And you're on my Patreon support team. Holy cow. How did that happen? Uh, It's nuts. If you want those things, then you have to, you have to have a little bit of intellectual weight behind it. Like you cannot yeah. just survive based off of Father Mike Schmidt's videos in this podcast. Like you, you can't. You need to read the saints and you need to learn a little bit about history. And that might take a long time for you. You might be in a situation where you're like, Ethan, I'm married. I got this kid and it's this screaming and yelling and all these things. Like I don't have to, how, where am I going to have time to read? That's okay. But think about these things. Pray about these things. Ask other people for help. Ask people that are smarter than you to help you. I talk to Patrick all the time. I say, hey, do you have any recommendations of what I can do to learn? Try to get some lectures. Try to get some audiobooks. Like, there are ways to, to, to fill our time because I know for a fact that everybody listening to this spends time on social media every single day. Cut that out. Boom, you got an extra 10 minutes a day. You know, like Boom. it's, your brain doesn't need a rest. Your brain just needs something different. It's like don't be afraid to to try things that might look on the surface tough because that's how we grow and that's how we become more effective evangelizers 
especially in a culture where people don't are scared to talk and they're scared to have a real conversation. But anyway, that's all I have. I think I think that's good. Do you think that's good on history? I think it's great. I, I love it. I'm really proud of you for sticking to what we said last week because I was just going to go off the rails. Do you want to do Do you want to do a quick Doctor Ethan's dating ah, corner? Yeah, it can be really really fast though. Okay, okay, okay. So I was on the. This is not to us. This is I found this on the Catholic Daily. Oh, Summer. wonderful! So wonderful. I saw this thing at the top of the at the top of the thing that said Handgate update, and I was like, um, what? Yes, please. And I I um I clicked it, and it said, okay. Looking for a perspective on my date. Reference. I'm in my early 30s. She's in her late 20s. I met this Catholic girl online. I messaged her. She got a response. We chatted. She lives over. Anyway, not instant fireworks. They have a date. There's a lot of paragraphs. I'm skipping through it. A few days later, they, after their date, she messages me. They We chat a little bit more. We set up a second date. She comes to my city. We're talking. We're having a good okay. time. We go to restaurants. Right. Anyway, in the evening, we finish up. We finish up. We go out into the city. We walk around. I... I'm like, hey, I want to hold her hand. So I go for yeah. it, and she immediately shuts it Ooh. down. And the mood shifts, Ooh. and she says, I'm not comfortable doing that. What? Because of coronavirus? I pulled my hand back. Actually, yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, why are you guys out? Anyway, um, I pulled my hand back, and she th- and thanked her for letting me know. I tried not to make a, de- a big deal of it, etc. I sheepishly explained I wanted to hold her hand because I'm attracted to her. We walk a little bit further and talk it out some more, but basically it's just a version of what we both already said. Um, at one point, she just said, don't do that again, and I got the sense that the whole point of the prolonged ending to the evening was so she could tell me that about that don't do that above all else. Um, I walked her back to the car. We said goodbye and hugged. So uh, she did ask also that we start checking in with each other after the date to see how we're doing so there's no more guesswork, which is fine, but I can't help but feel like I triggered some kind of some kind of thing in her trying to hold her hand it's especially confusing because her words made it sound very urgent and anxious but then in the same breath she was giving me suggestions for things we could do on different dates question mark anyway i'm having trouble parsing what happened i'm planning to follow up uh so he's like i get uh i'm a bit sensitive to rejection so but i'm wondering what others think particularly the women in the subreddit and that is was my behavior untoward and inappropriate question mark what do you think dr ethan what's his diagnosis i think Oh, man. I wish there was a way for men and women to know what each other were thinking. Oh, it's called communication, baby. Back at it again <laughs> with the old standard. I really feel like this guy should just call the girl and be like, hey, why didn't you want me to hold your hand? Because, <laughs> yeah, I guess she's like, oh, don't do that. I don't feel comfortable doing that. I'm like, okay. Be like, can you explain a little bit more? And if she doesn't explain a little bit more, be like, that's really weird. Like, do you know that that's weird? Not saying that you shouldn't go more on more dates if, if he likes this girl, but also like, what? Like, wh- where yeah. does where does that line end? Like, if you're walking, maybe you trip, you stumble, you reach out your hand to like get, you know, some stabilization. She rips her hand away and you fall to the ground face first. Like, is that, she's like, don't touch me at all. If you like kind of brush bump shoulders as you're walking and you're trying to get out of the past, is she gonna is she gonna punch you? If your legs touch under the table at dinner, is she going to kick <laughs> she's going to kick you? <laughs> like I don't know where this line dro- falls because not everybody's into physical touch. But also yeah. saying never do that again is like do you have a problem? <laughs> uh oh this guy probably just needs to call her up and be like, What the heck? And if she gives up, if yeah. she gives some dodgy answer, be like, okay, like you realize that this is a really bad foundation for starting a relationship, you know, like I understand you don't, you don't have to be an open book, but also this is a weird thing. This is this a weird kind of yeah. thing <laughs> for, for once the dude is in the right here. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. This, especially on the Catholic dating subreddits, have a dude come in and have a good problem that he's genuinely confused because he's done nothing wrong. It's like, wow, this is a breath of fresh air. I feel like somebody just opened a window into a nice Austrian meadow in springtime. Man. And I hear, I hear a former nun bounding over the hills. (laughs) What is that? You hear that? Is that Um, Julie Andrews? Yeah, this is uh, this subreddit is going to be a little bit of a gold mine for us. Nobody else read the subreddit. Nobody do it. Okay. Uh, you know what? That's all I got. I got to go home. I too have to go home. I'm already in my home, but I do have to go. This is great. Patrick, thank you for squeezing me into your tight, tight schedule. 
because I know you're very busy. You love talking about it. I'll, 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 yeah, at <laughs> any time. <laughs> uh, Patreon.com slash the crunch. We're trying to put out episodes every single week, and if you support us, we'll probably be able to make that happen. I know it's been really tough for us to get out weekly episodes for the past <laughs> couple, of, <laughs> couple days. of days. Couple of times. Couple of times. No, we, yeah. we do it every week. Um, support us on Patreon. I'm trying to figure out the Hallow ad apparently hasn't been going into the episodes, even though I set it up on Red Circle. Andrew Jordan uh, told me that they haven't been inserted. So I'm going to go figure that out at some point. Um, oh, yeah, which is weird, huh. but hallow.com slash the crunch for a great thing. And I'm sorry that you haven't been getting that because we definitely have a deal with them. And I definitely thought I was dropping the ads in, but I guess not. So I will do that manually and not trust red circle, even though that's what they're designed to do. Weird. We'll talk about it later. Weird. Um, Patrick, do you have anything else for the people? Uh, don't ever uh, touch a woman's hand ever until you're married. Thank you all for listening. Please pray for us. We will be praying for you and we will see you all next week. <laughs>